0: Hi, and welcome to Effective's Top 10 Tips podcast. Each episode is a quick roundup of practical, easy to implement tips on a wide range of management and personal development themes. As always, full show notes for this episode, including a handy summary of each tip, are available on our website. Just see the episode notes for this and many other useful links. We also offer workshops and coaching on all topics covered in this podcast series. Today's episode is on writing in plain English. Tip number one. Less is more. Keep it short. Some people use the acronym KISS. Keep it short and simple. And the plain English campaign recommends that no sentence should be longer than 20 words. And another principle for a short sentence is that it should contain one idea. You can elaborate on that idea. So, one idea plus an example or justification. Then stop before you start another idea. Tip number two. Use short words. Everyday language has shorter words. So instead of precipitation, we would say rain. Instead of perambulation, we would say walk. So a useful tip really is to think how you would say it live and then write it pretty much as you would say it. The objective of any communication is to get your point across quickly and simply, and it's no help if the other person receiving it has to translate it from long and difficult to short and simple. Tip number three, use everyday language. Speak and write in everyday language. Keep it simple, keep it familiar. Speak and write to express, not to impress. Tip number four. Tailor your language to suit your audience. This might seem to contradict the previous point, because there are always exceptions to any rule. So you might want to use more legally based language if writing to a solicitor. Perhaps a more general point is to use the terms they use. For example, do they refer to staff as staff, employees, colleagues or team members? Use their preference rather than your own. Put yourself out to put the other person in. Tip number five. Avoid redundant phrases. Here's an example. Here's a check for the sum of £10. The phrase for the sum of is not necessary. It's redundant. It adds length rather than value. Another favourite of mine. How many people end a letter with the phrase I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you. Simply say, thank you. Tip number six, choose your tense. Consider two tenses, the active tense and the passive tense. The active tense always starts with the subject, in this case, I, then the verb, the active, love, and then the object, which is you. So subject first, then the active verb, then the object. I love you. That's the active tense. I love you. The passive tense turns that around. It starts with the object first. You. Then we make the verb passive. Are loved by. And then we include the subject. Me. So the passive tense would be. You are loved by me. So then we have two examples, active, I love you, passive, you are loved by me. There are three problems with passive. First of all, it's always longer. You are loved by me is five words. I love you is three words. So whenever we write in the passive tense, it's going to be longer. Secondly, it's not natural. I don't think you will have heard anybody say, oh darling, you are loved by me. I think people would typically say, I love you. So the passive language is artificial. It's a construct. The natural way of speaking is to use the active tense. I love you. And following on from that, the active tense, as the name implies, is much more dynamic. It's much more alive. It has much more energy about it. I love. Yes, that sounds great. Oh, darling, you are loved by me. Sounds rather flat. Sounds a bit insincere, as if you're bored. So, the passive tense is artificial. It takes longer, and it's a bit flat. So why do we use it? And the answer is, we use the passive tense as a construct to place the focus on the object, not the subject. And that's why it's a format for most science, for most policies, for most procedures... Because in those circumstances, it doesn't matter who the doer is, the emphasis is on the process. So, when you went to school and perhaps did chemistry, you would write up an experiment such as the potassium permanganate was placed in the flask, heat was applied to the flask, and the results were observed and written up. That's all passive tense. The doer, the experimenter, the scientist is irrelevant. So what we need, in that circumstance, is to focus on the process. So, it's horses for courses. If you're writing to try and communicate energy and actively to anybody, then use the active tense. If what you want to focus on is the process or the policy, the routine or the science, then it's okay to use the passive. But you will always create more energy, more directness, more personalised communication if you use the active tense. Tip number seven, use affirmative language. I get frustrated when I ask somebody how they are and they say things like, oh, mustn't grumble or not too bad. It's quite a downer to receive those kind of comments because they're phrased in such a negative way. The emphasis is on grumble or bad and the fact that we're not too bad, presumably we're just bad enough. So be wary of using negative turns of phrase. If you have children, you'll know that if you say to the child, don't run down the corridor, what you've actually done is place the idea of running down the corridor in that child's head. They're much more likely to now run down that corridor. So if you were to say instead, walk quietly, then that's the idea that they will take away and, ideally, walk quietly. So use affirmative language that is positive in its intent and description. Tip number eight. Choose top-down or bottom-up. Are you a top-down person, or are you bottom-up? If you start writing something, do you start pretty much as a stream of consciousness? You start writing top left-hand corner, blah, 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 blah. And then either as you're writing, or at the end of your writing, you look over what you've written and think, hmm, I need to improve that. I need to change that. That needs to go there instead of there. And then I need to move that from there, to there and perhaps I need to cross that bit out and and make it shorter and what you're doing is using a top-down approach which means getting everything down that you can think of and then editing it into something better so if you're a top-down person the key skill you're going to require and use is editing or you might be a bottom-up person what you do is start with the key message a bullet point that you want to get across You want to make this point, and then this point, and then this point. And then for each of these points, you embellish, you elaborate, you provide greater description, justification, examples. So you're building up your text. Having started with a basic message, then decide to build on those messages, and therefore the key skill you'll need is compiling. So, are you better at editing or better at compiling. It doesn't really matter. Both will work, but you need to decide if your core skill needs to be editing or compiling. Tip number nine, avoid nominalizations. That's a big jargon word. And what it means is taking a verb and making it into a noun. Here's an example. Someone might say, we need to come to a decision. They've taken the verb, decide, and made it into a noun, decision. As a consequence, they have to find another verb to support the noun. So instead of saying, we need to decide, they have to say, we need to come to a decision, which is less energising and longer. Tip number 10. Avoid jargon and abbreviations. Language should be matched to its audience. Generally speaking, most people don't understand jargon or abbreviations until or unless they are explained, which of course takes time. So their use can exclude people. They're a bit club-like. If you're in the know, they're a shorthand that speeds up communication. But if you're not in the know, they're very excluding and exclusive. So they keep people out who don't understand, and they include only those who do. So a solicitor speaking to a solicitor might be quite comfortable using familiar jargon. Doctors are the same. They'll use jargon. All doctors will understand. But for you and me, assuming we're not solicitors or doctors, it's baffling. We don't understand it. So we feel excluded and perhaps weaker for not knowing and being reluctant to ask. So, avoid jargon. Avoid abbreviations unless you know the other person is comfortable and familiar with them. And if you have to use them, always explain them first. So, that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it or leave us a review. Remember, you can find full show notes on our website, plus a growing library of free resources which you can easily search by theme to find content that's relevant for you. We also offer workshops and coaching on a wide range of topics. Links to all of these resources are in the episode notes. Thank you.